So welcome back to class six of how video games are addictive and why they're built that way. And well, all of this being taught to you by me, Joe Reynolds, a computer scientist, as well as a games programmer. And well, in the last class, we got to see how, well, remember rule number two, right? rule one, make video games highly addictive with four main ingredients, the reward system, the light, the sound, the action camera. And then rule two, as we learned from the last class was, well, make them playable anytime, anywhere with anyone so that you will play as much as possible. And then we came to this conclusion, right? That it's, well, at the end of the day, so you guys play more, you get more addicted, so you play more, so you get more addicted, so you play more time and, right, it all comes down to the this money. And that's what it's kind of all about. But, well, talking about money today, we're going to uh, be getting into, well, some interesting, interesting stuff in the, the gaming world, how they make their money. In fact, a large portion of their money is, well, done using in-app purchases or DLCs or um, uh, macro uh, transactions, they're called. And um, there's a few of them that we're uh, going to have to watch out for. So uh, I'm just going to bring up the slideshow here and uh, let's just get that. And um, well, let's get going. So, um, well, there's these uh, th there's these things, right, that we, we have called free to play games. And really, the they're scams. We, I'm going to call them free-to-play game scams because that's kind of exactly what they are. They're free games that make money by selling you. <laughs> and the fact that you'd ask, huh, well, you know, how do they exactly do they do that? Or, uh, you know, which just, you know, uh, how, how they do it just points out how well it's working for them because it's really hard to see sometimes. And you think, oh, the ads, that's going to be, well, there's a way more ways. In fact, while cheerfully candy crushing, and uh, farm uh, bills, right? Picture yourself uh, as, a, as one of those hamsters on the wheel, you know, in the gaming company. And they're using your hard work and that wheel and playing and your dedication to keep playing and your most valuable resource, your time, to keep the lights on, just like in the game, right? And they're doing it in lots of different ways. In fact, um, these freemium games like Candy Crush are making money off of you, like I said, not just through the ads, but... Well, let's have a look. Remember these free-to-play games, right? Well, first of all, just so you know, they're pretty much half the money that's made from the industry, right? Half, you know, you know look at the two billion dollars they make. Well, um, you know, let's say, you know, this, 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 this ninety-eight, uh, you know, billion. In fact, it's gone up in in two thousand two. The most recent data I found has actually just gone up. So I need to change that there. But to be honest, it's it's still yeah, it's a hundred billion dollars goes goes to free to play games is, is what's made from free games. So um based on these video game addiction statistics, 97% of the video game revenue comes from pay-to-play uh, games rather than paid versions of these games. Um it proves that there are people willing to, well, if they like the game, to play for all the purchases and additional products that the game says will enhance the game experience. Yeah. And video games have uh, started adding various options on each game on each level to maximize profits. And in fact, I found one case here where you confirm your, your purchase and, you know, you buy uh, this number one to unlock all of the things for 110 bucks. In fact, it's got such big news. It's been in the news. Um, check this one out. 
After Pokemon Go was released in the US, it took less than a day before it was making more money than all the other apps in both Apple's and Google's app stores. It's already earned $14 million in revenue since launching last Wednesday, not even a full week. But users didn't have to pay a cent for the game. All that money was coming from optional purchases people were making as they played. This is the world of freemium apps, a business model that in the past few years has largely wiped out the market for paid games. Now, game designers have to monetize the game play. And one way to do that is by applying some of the fundamental lessons of behavioral psychology. The first thing these games do is set up a virtual currency so that it doesn't feel like you're spending real currency, even though you are. This is a variation on something we've known for decades, which is that people find it harder to spend money when they're paying in cash than if they're using a card. So when you pay cash for something, you see it leave your hands uh, and you get a very immediate sense of like how much your cash reserves have dropped, how much your wealth has, has dropped. Games add yet another layer. You pay for lollipop boosters with gold bars and you pay for gold bars with your credit card, which is already distanced from the actual payment. And then on top of that, they don't make the exchange rate simple. It's not 50 gems for 50 cents. They're always something weird, like $1 will get you 12 purple diamonds. And that sort of um, off-kilter exchange rate is the same thing you see with people spending, uh, like uh, tourists spending money in, in, uh, that they're not familiar with in foreign countries. If incense costs 80 Poke coins and a batch of 550 Poke coins costs $4.99, how much real money does incense cost? Yeah, I don't know either. So you're spending money that doesn't seem real, and it only takes a second because the app store already has your credit card. The whole payment process is designed to be painless. Other parts of the game, however, are designed to be painful. A key finding of behavioral research is that people tend to experience unexpected losses more intensely than comparable gains. That can inform the timing of purchase prompts. In Puzzle and Dragons, players progress through a dungeon before facing a boss. And if they die, they stand to lose all the rewards that they just earned. That's when they're presented with the option to save their coins and their points by spending magic stones, which you can buy in the store with real money. Other developers actively embed inconvenience into the games so that you can purchase convenience. In Clash of Clans and Game of War, everything you try to build has wait times that get progressively longer but are skippable for a price. So they build incentives to sort of remove pain points into the games and then if they want that then they have the incentive to insert pain points into the game. Ultimately though only a tiny percentage of players actually become payers and a small percentage of payers are those so-called whales people who will spend hundreds sometimes thousands of dollars in the app. The marketing firm Swerve estimates that about half of the revenue for mobile games is coming from less than a half of a percent of all players. Which means that for some of these games, non-paying users, which is most people, are essentially pouring time into a game designed to hit the pain points of a small, susceptible group of players. If you're really having fun, that's great, but it might be worth rewarding games that find another way. As of now, the monetization in Pokemon Go is unobtrusive. It's kind of tucked away. And that lack of manipulation is a pretty good reason to buy some lure modules and some incense. One argument in favor of free-to-play games and in-app purchases is that they give developers a reason to keep updating the game, and they're collecting tons of data in order to inform those updates. 
Things like where you get stuck, where you close the game, which features are most popular. All that data can help them keep making a game that you want to keep playing. But it also means that they can tweak the prices based on individual profiles and behavior. So if it seems like you're about to quit, hey, here's a discount. Or if you're the type of person that will spend a lot of money, maybe they bump up the prices a little bit. They can even look at how fancy your phone is and what country you live in and set the prices accordingly. According to one survey, 40% of game developers said that they were setting different prices for different players. But the survey was anonymous and it's pretty hard to tell which games those are. So, what do you think? Uh, yeah, you paid some of those free-to-play games? Did you find any of those annoying, you know, kind of things where you had to pay to get something that you really needed to make the game worth it? Why do they do all of this? What's the point? Well, at the end of the day, it's all about the money, right? I mean, really, the three, you know, the, 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 the $200 billion from the three billion gamers, it's just about the money. And, and and they they don't care if you get addicted. They don't care how much time you play. They don't care. Uh, none of that really matters. It all comes down to this money. And and well, this in-app purchase. This is kind of really fascinating subject. And this is the one we're going to be talking mostly about today. But these in-app, well, these in-app DLCs, these purchases, these uh, monetized microtransactions. Th to me, it's actually the world's biggest scam. This is like. You know, I, I actually teach uh, a, a class on OutSchool uh, about scams and you know, top 10 scams for you know, young people and you know, holiday scams. And as a magician and, and, and you know, my dad being a, a police officer for 40 years, I, I've learned a lot about scams and tricks. And, and well, this is kind of the biggest one I think I've ever seen because, well, these downloads, DLCs, these in-apps, and DLC stands for downloadable content, by the way, are additional content which is you know, uh, created for an already released game and distributed through the internet by the gamer's publisher uh, for an extra fee. So you pay for it and you get, you know, uh, some gold diamonds or some Fortnite V-Blocks or some Roblox or maybe a new avatar or skin or, in fact, you know what? We've got a few here. Skins, characters, costumes, maps, uh, shortcut kits, new missions and unlocking special uh, missions, uh, level packs or extra levels in the game, game season passes, server passes, extra content, just removing the ads. They put so many ads in the game, it bothers you so much, you will pay to have them removed. That's like comparing me to like sitting and poking you. And I'm going to keep poking you and poking you and poking you until it annoys you so much, you pay me to stop. Does that sound like a good business plat model? A good, 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 nice thing to do to the world, in my opinion. But they do it. Um, and in fact, um, well, uh, it's it kind of reminds me of this this old fairy tale. Um, the Emperor's New Clothes. Has anyone ever heard this this fairy tale? The old, it's it's it, if you've never heard it, I'm going to give you the one minute version now. Okay, just bear with me, and 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 it'll make sense if you if you have heard it before. Just bear with me. I'm right. It's only going to wait. Could take a minute to explain, and, and you'll see why I'm explaining it. But the Emperor's New Clothes is this old fairy tale about this emperor who loved the most beautiful clothes. Who like 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 looking the best. Like really showing off. Just going, wow, look at me. I'm the best looking emperor in the world. And so he tells all the people in his in his land, hey, whoever brings me the most beautiful clothes, the most amazing clothes, the best, the wowest, the most beautiful. I'll spend as much money as I have to. I just want the best. 
So all the people in his, you know, his land find out about this, of course. And, and there's this group of people that kind of decide that the emperor's played, been a, been a bit too big for his boots, looks a bit too awesome in his clothes, and they decide to play a trick on him, um, a bit of a scam even. And, and so they invent what they call the invisible cloak. And the invisible cloak is so beautiful, so amazing, so wow, so one of a kind, so unique. It's so beautiful. In fact, it's beauty. It's so beautiful. Only, only the most, you know, only the only the best people in the world can see its beauty, and and it's 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 invisible to everyone else. But it's so beautiful. It's so unique, and it's filled with gold, diamond, silver, and platinum. And it's so valuable. The emperor probably can't even afford it. And they tell this to the emperor, and they show this to the emperor, and they go, "Look, it's one of a kind, unique, invisible cloak. It's the best of its." It's, it's so unique you can't even see it unless of course you you know it's the best and then you should and, and they you know show this and tell this and the emperor goes of course i can see it if you know, i am the best and so therefore it is the best and it's unique and one of a kind and therefore you know filled with golds and diamonds of course it is yes and here take all my money and he spends pretty much all his money buying this most beautiful invisible cloak now if you know the story here's the funny bit right and if you don't you'll get it now this is where the emperor decides to show off his beautiful invisible cloak by going for a walk through the city in front of thousands of his people in his land to show off his invisible cloak. So he does. And he's walking through the city and waving to all his people and going, ah, don't you like my beautiful cloak? Of course, he's invisible. It's 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 invisible cloak. He's naked. He's not wearing anything. He's, he's walking through the city naked. And of course, all those people in his land are laughing at him hysterically. And those people who tricked him are laughing quietly and spending all his money. Now, the reason I told you the story is because, well, the the people in the, the, the story of the Emperor's New Clothes, the ones that tricked the, the Emperor with the, the invisible cloak, well, they remind me of some of these programmers with their tricks, you know, DLCs, in-app purchases. Yeah, well, now, now, they, now they call it an, you know, an invisible cloak, but in the real world, in the Emperor's New Clothes, the, 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 this invisible cloak is skins, robots, V-Bucks, gems, new levels, packs, you know, remove all of the ads, costumes and outfits, armors, new avatars, and server passes, game passes, you name it. DLCs, in-app purchases, microtransactions, whatever you want to call them, right? They're all a different name of a scam every different week they come up with it. And, and, and you know who the Emperors are in the real world? The ones that are getting scammed, they're, they're the game players that are paying for in-app purchases, DLCs, right? These scams. And here's the thing. The most intelligent people in the world can be tricked and scammed. Scams, trust me, I've, I've, I have. And and as, as a magician, I've tricked and scammed many, many people for fun, and but never for bad intention, not like stealing your money or, you know, that kind of thing. So... Here's the thing. Now you know DLCs and in-app purchases are kind of a scam, a trick, or a, you know, a way of getting money out of you because you can't, you can't touch it, you can't eat it, you can't feel it, you can't hold it, you can't wear it, you can't. It's not real. It's it's an imaginary idea on a computer that you think is important because they make you think it's important, not because it is. It doesn't give you time to spend with your family and friends, does it? No, not like in real life. And you could spend that money or that gift card on a million other things that you could touch, feel, wear, hold, learn something from, do something with, have fun with, like truly, for real. But not in a game, not a DLC. It's 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 an invisible cloak. 
it's a trick it's a scam and every week they'll call it something different are you going to let them do that i don't know that's up to you in fact talking about that there's a great little video clip i've got next um let's have a look in the late 1990s, the internet was gaining popularity at a rapid rate, and tech enthusiasts were starting to download video game content straight off this new communications platform. In the early days, these pieces of downloadable content, or DLC, were primarily things like fan-made extensions to popular video games and Doom mods. Lots and lots of Doom mods. It was mostly harmless fun amongst a small group of technically proficient gamers and developers. This would change with the introduction of online gaming platforms like MMOs and Microsoft's Xbox Live, which allowed players to make purchases directly over the internet. For the first few years, this was mostly game companies selling subscriptions to play in their virtual worlds or selling small expansion packs online, which wouldn't justify a new game release in their own right. The pushback was minimal, and most players were actually excited to be able to pay four or five dollars to get an extra few hours worth of gameplay without having to go to GameStop to buy an entirely new game. This was until 2006, when Bethesda, the developer of the Elder Scrolls series, released DLC which added nothing to the game other than armor for your in-game horse. This $2.50 optional download in a single player game was the first time that players actively pushed back at the idea of paying money for pixels that otherwise added nothing to the game. Despite the negativity, the horse armor became the ninth best selling DLC for the Elder Scrolls game, beating out entire expansion packs which took thousands of hours in development time to produce. By contrast, the horse armor was just a 3D model which took a 3D artist an afternoon to put together. Other gaming studios saw this success, and 18 years later, most of the money made by the $180 billion gaming industry comes from sales made after the customer has already purchased the game. This might seem harmless to most of you watching. You might even think it's a good way to subsidize the cost of development, making video games cheaper for people who are not interested in these in-game purchases. But these seemingly harmless pixels are being knowingly exploited to prey on some of the most vulnerable people in our society. Video game developers are companies with a profit motive, and in many instances, shareholders who they need to keep happy. Selling a game once is great, but it means there is a set amount of money that can be made from a set amount of games. Exceptions do exist, somehow I have managed to buy Skyrim for the PS3, PS4, and PC, but I don't like to talk about it. The problem here is that some people are only willing to spend $20 a month on video games where other people are happy to spend thousands. You could try to charge thousands of dollars for your game, but unfortunately not many people would be willing to pay that price. The only way to truly maximize profit is to get every possible gamer to pay the maximum possible amount that they are individually willing to pay for the game. That's impossible to achieve with a direct sale. A GameStop employee can't be expected to look over someone's financial records before setting an asking price for a copy of Super Smash Bros. Brawl, so you need to be smarter. What you need to do is offer a game that gets slightly better the more you pay for it. If you want to get really crafty, you can make the game itself free to download and play, but lock big advantages behind in-game transactions. Your free version of Clash of Clans is probably a perfectly fine game, but you will be destroyed by another dude that drops $2,000 a month upgrading his base. It might be annoying for you, but it's great for the game company. Most people only play their game because it's free. Some might throw in a few bucks to pay for a premium subscription, 
And then there are a few hundred so-called whales that drop $1,000 a month to make sure they are the most powerful players possible. This game extracted the maximum possible amount of money out of everybody that plays it. The game developers aren't even worried about all the players who aren't even paying them a cent. They might cost them a small marginal amount for server hosting, but they are offering back something far more valuable. They are the entertainment for the whales who are paying thousands of dollars a month. Someone isn't going to keep paying more money to upgrade their weapons if they can't use them to absolutely dominate some poor kid who thought they would just try out a free mobile game. Business students call this price skimming, where businesses will alter their prices for the same product for different people in order to maximize profits. Gamers call this pay to win. Monetization in games takes on a few different forms. The best type of game in the gamer's eye is a game that is free with no outlets for monetization at all. The problem is, of course, that this doesn't generate any revenue for whoever put the time and effort into developing the game. That doesn't mean that these games don't exist though, and I salute the dedicated souls behind them. The next step down from there are games that are free to play that sell game items that make cosmetic changes only. A new hat for your character, or a dapper new outfit. It doesn't improve your stats in the game, but it's cool to look at and some people are happy to pay some money for the outfits which keeps the game financed. Pretty good trade if you ask me. One worse than that is games that you need to pay for up front, but also offer cosmetic items. Worse again are free games that have in-game advantages for sale. Mobile games are notorious for this. You can download Rise of Warship Legends for free, but if you want to be competitive against other players, you are almost forced into paying money to skip arbitrary timers and unlock powerful items. The absolute worst are games that you need to pay for, but still offer in-game advantages for money. When EA released Star Wars Battlefront, they were met with, um, moderate resistance for locking characters like Darth Vader behind real cash paywalls or obscenely difficult in-game challenges. But what's the actual harm here? It might make some games a little bit less fun, but it's not like anybody is forcing you to play them. Well, the harm comes to the people that unfortunately already do. A 2018 report by Daniel King of the Society for the Study of Addiction has reported that video game addiction is very real, and that addiction is being preyed upon by game companies to extract a lot of money out of a surprisingly small group of people. Wheels is a term typically used by casinos to describe patrons that gamble significant amounts of money. The casinos will cater to these high rollers in any way that they can so they keep coming back and losing more money at the tables. Whales in video games are just the same, and video game companies cater to them in the same way. Drop $200 on in-game gems that will let you crush any opponent, except for maybe the guy that spent $500 on gems. The report explains that this rewards your brain by tricking it into believing that purchasing in-game items is just part of skillful gameplay. This becomes all the more sinister when the game companies spend years refining their systems to maximize this effect on your brain. Perhaps nowhere is this clearer to see than in the loot box. For those of you who don't know, a loot box is a collective term given to in-game purchases that offer out random items. This means that a player could spend money on an in-game purchase and not get the item that they really wanted. They may not get any item of value at all. Loot boxes add this element of chance into this toxic cocktail of predatory monetization, which can lock even the most pragmatic players into a loop of trying just one more spin to try and get that super rare character. The next tool that these companies will use to their advantage is the player base themselves. 
Online games are meant to be social. For many serious gamers, they spend more time with their online friends than they do interacting with the people in the real world, especially during the pandemic. There are three types of people that gamers will meet in these games. Players that are better than them because they spend a lot of money, players that are worse than them but will offer an ego boost to the gamer who did spend a lot of money, and peers who have been conditioned by the game to not think too critically about dropping a few hundred bucks for a slight in-game advantage. Humans are both social and competitive beings. Gamers are on average more isolated than non-gamers, so when they get the chance to spend a little cash to flex in the social setting that they spend the most time in, most of them will take it. All of these people, without even realizing it, will be pushing each other to spend more money in-game, which is a big reason why some of the most profitable games in the world are free. The final tool is big data. Since most of these games are played online, the developers have one final advantage in the battle to extract cash from their customers' pockets. It's impossible for a gamer to know more about the game than the game company knows about them. Anybody who has played these types of games will be able to attest to the very confusing currency systems in the game. Some games will have multiple different currencies to collect. Gems, coins, pearls, and they will all be used to unlock different things in the game. A coin might be used to pay for armor, but you will need pearls to unlock special spells and cosmetic outfits can only be paid for with gems. Many people have compared this to casinos giving players poker chips instead of letting them play with actual money, because people don't experience the same emotional response handing over a $100 poker chip as they would with a $100 bill. This is no doubt part of the strategy, but I think in-game tokens are worse, because while poker chips have a clear face value, these games make it really hard to work out how much value you are actually getting out of an in-game purchase, because it introduces an exchange rate. The last thing you want to be doing while enjoying a game is exchange rate math. Because of this, game companies can present tailored offers to gamers to maximize the chances that they go and pull out their credit card. Activision and EA both have patents on their microtransaction systems, and they keep them so closely guarded because they are the primary revenue generator for these two ginormous public companies. These companies want to form habits. A player who spends $100 every week is worth far more than a player who spends $1,000 just once. This also slowly allows players to fall into the biggest trap of all time, the sunk cost. A game company is likely to make a very modest offer with a big reward first. If the gamer decides to purchase that offer, all subsequent offers will become gradually more expensive with declining true in-game value. Remember, this is made intentionally hard to keep track of because of the different in-game currencies the developers use. By the time the gamer realizes what has happened, they might have spent thousands of dollars on a video game that they thought they would be playing for free. At that point, there is no point in putting the game down because they have already sunk so much time and effort into playing this game that it would be silly to stop now. A lot of these video game whales are not wealthy either. On the contrary, the report found that a lot of these purchases were paid for with debt that the gamer had no way of paying back. So what are you to do when you have mounting debt and a partner that is angry at you for spending your grocery money on a virtual battleship? You look for an escape, of course. And what better escape exists than an online universe filled with your enthusiastic friends who all think that you're a hero because you unlocked the Ultra Mega Sword, which you could upgrade right now to the Giga Ultra Mega Sword for just $29.99. Preying on habitual addictive behavior from socially isolated people who just want a platform to socialize on is extremely unethical. Every bit as unethical as a casino without even offering the chance for these players to make any of their money back.
What do you think? It's true though, right? I mean, you got to see it that way. I mean, it really is kind of mind blowing when you when you kind of think about it. So I've got some examples of DLCs that uh, I call them my scam examples from Minecraft, and um, it just you know goes to show uh, how much uh, the 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 money is, the cost of Minecraft stuff, and uh, and how they sell these different bundles and packages, and you know have different versions, and well, it's just lots of different ways of them making money. Um, we've got then Fortnite. And Fortnite, they have their add-ons and skins and battle passes. And Fortnite is actually one of the number one biggest uh, in-app purchase money makers. They um, most remember my student four thousand dollars in Fortnite in two months. That wasn't you know unusual. I've had other students spend a thousand or two, and all because you know the credit card's connected and they don't realize it's real money because you're spending V bucks, right? Um, even Roblox, of course, we have Robux, and you know a four hundred. Uh, will get you, uh, you know, uh, four, four, $449 will get you 400 This is right. The, you know where they said, you know, $17.99 for $1,700 or $89.99 for $10,000? It's, you know, it's really, it's you know, the, the numbers on e even or easy to work out, right? That currency conversion. And of course, they have all the different types of things you can buy, different avatars and, and add-ons as well. Um, but Roblox um, actually has some, in fact, all of these video games, you've got to watch out for like the real scams. I've, I've been talking so far about the scams from you know the the the, the pro programmers and the 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 developers, but there are actually scammers out there, hackers and you know scammers that are creating fake accounts and trying to get robux out of you or trying to get your credit card details and your personal information uh, or passwords. And there are actual real scammers playing the video games, like you know 50, 60, 70 year olds that are pretending to be 12 year olds and it's really scary it's 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 they're out to get money and time from you that's 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 what it's about so be careful about these free robot scams or these free v-bot scams or these whatever free game stuff it's usually a scam be really 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 careful guys um yeah but now I want to show you this little clip. This is an amazing little clip by a teacher who is also a computer scientist, very much like me, and um, has some awesome uh, viewpoints and opinions on on DLCs. Um, let's check, have a look. Why would you pay more money for something that you already paid for? For example, if you went to the store and you bought like a plate lunch, and then they told you it's ten dollars, then they say, "Well, do you want a fork and knife?" Well, it's another two dollars. Would you would you pay for that? Of course not. Like, why, why would you do that? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about DLC. So what is DLC? Well, DLC is downloadable content. It is how companies make more money on their product that they've already sold you. So for example, if you have an app on your phone or, or a game that you've recently bought, like if you ever go to your Steam library or your Epic Games library, if you played like The Division 2 or you've played CSGO, these are additional things that you can purchase for the game that improve the character's looks, that are unique weapons, that are maps that you, you haven't seen before. And it's a way for companies to say, you've paid for the core game, now here's some extras if you want to. And they're not mandatory, but if you want to make your character look better than you could. For example, loot boxes, right? You could pay um, to have uh, these digital loot boxes put up for you and give you free things. Or you could just kind of grind through the game. So grinding through the game is basically saying, I'm going to keep playing. Uh, for a long period of time to get this one thing where or I could just give you 
I don't know, $5 and you give it to me right away for instant gratification. But that's kind of the scam. So when I was when I was younger, we played Nintendo games. We played Super Nintendo. And when we bought our Nintendo cartridges, they came as a one thing and then that was it. That was it. You just paid for that game and then there were no additionals, right? You paid uh, $50 or whatever the case was and you got everything, everything that's supposed to come with. Microsoft jumped on it. PlayStation jumped on it and all these other in-app purchase companies jumped on it. They said, hey, what a model. We'll sell them something for for $20 or $30. They'll think it's cheap and they'll realize as they're playing to the game, it's massively crippled or it's not as fun. And then we'll say, hey, give me $10 more and give me another $10 and then another five and then another 10 and we'll give you all this additional things. Let's look at City Skylines. It's $30 for the base game, but if you want all the add-ons and all the additionals, you're going to be paying a grand total of $204.50 for the entire game. So you get the game and all of these add-ons for $204.50. I mean, my goodness, why couldn't they just give you that with the original game but not have it cost so much? Or just raise the price to, I don't know, $75 and include everything. But this is how they take advantage of you. If you want all of these add-ons, you could pay $30 for the base game and pay upwards of $204.50 for everything included. Or here's Tom Clancy's The Division. $30 for the game. You can buy the Gold Edition for 50 bucks. And look at all these other DLCs. You can get all these things. So this is more or less a pay-to-play service at this point. And to me, that just sounds like a giant ripoff. And I'd really like to know how you feel about it. Like, does it feel like a giant ripoff? In my eyes, it is. It's like buying a car with three wheels. I guess it could run and you might get somewhere to it but you still need that fourth bolt for safety don't you it just seems it just seems like you're being taken advantage of and no one's out there to stop them because your willingness to participate in this game for example when my students ask me well do you play online multiplayer games and my answer is always the same no i don't play multiplayer games like when i played multiplayer games we all picked up our computers we went to a friend's house and then we sat around we plugged all our computers into one network and we just play, we talk to each other, we socialize, and now it's a little different. Now it's, you could be next door, you could be thousands of miles away in India. To me, I would rather be there with you playing this game rather than shelling out money to another company for a pass to play on this online game. Which is another thing, they sell you these passes to play online. And I understand you have to pay for server space and you have to pay for server access. What are you really getting in return? Are you really, are you really getting as much as you can out of it? I don't want to talk too much about I, I want you to tell me what you think. Uh, I'm against DLC. If you're for DLC, I'd like you to tell me why. If you're against DLC, great. Tell me why. All right. So, yeah, I, that's what I want to know. In fact, you know what? That's the homework for this week. Um, tell us um, what DLCs have you bought in the past that, that, you've, uh, that you thought you needed and wanted and, you know, decided it was worth the real money to use or the gift card to, to spend money on or um what was your favorite dlc and why tell me about it um do you feel it's worth the money that you spent on the dlc's now out of curiosity if so tell me you know, i have lots of students go yeah actually they they were fun they were this that tell me if that you feel actually maybe they they weren't worth all that money i'd like to know why now and um, um how much money do you think you spent on dlc's uh, in total since you started gaming just roughly and don't forget to count the gift cards because it kind of starts to add up if you think over the years, right? 
And now that you know what a DLC is and how it can be seen to be one of the world's bigger scams, right? Definitely, I can, in my opinion. Well, will you buy another one again? And if so, you know, let me know why. And if not, I'd love to know why too. You know, what what what, what do you think? Because you know, at the end of the day, anyone can be tricked. Doesn't matter how intelligent you are. But now you know the trick. Are you happy to be tricked again? I wouldn't, but I'd love to know what you think. So, um, well, that's your homework. Have a great week. Um, any questions, you know where to find me. But until then, take care. Bye-bye.